Trash, The Final Frontier. Welcome to the Bridge of the Starship Freaky Friday for Strange New Pods. This is a podcast mini-series covering Strange New Worlds. I am your Captain Justin, and joining me on my away team are my science officer, Anna, and our Zito anthropologist, Jude. Jude, Anna, how you doing? Uh, this show is giving me the energy I need to get through this godforsaken hot summer. Uh, God bless this fucking show. What can I say? On Tuesday, I, I, I did a I did a stream over on the Gate Crashers Twitch, um, and it was 103 when we started that stream. And my by gosh. the end of it, Jesus. I'm pretty sure I had sweated a pint of of like liquids out of my body. Meanwhile, it's it's actually been pretty decent here this week. Like God last hell. weekend, it was like <laughs> in the 70s, which and this is normally like the land of like. You know, like 87 degrees and humidity to match, right? Yeah. Like like whatever whatever the temperature is, that's what the humidity is as well. So when it's 99 degrees, it's also 99% humidity. That's just how it works. We had yeah, we had some of that last last week. Today was the first decent day in like 2 weeks. And I can't wait to talk about these. We have a banger and one that's fine. Yeah, we're covering two episodes tonight because we think that episode... Okay, if you liked episode six, like, the prophets be with you. But we don't have a lot to say about it. So it's just getting crammed in here. So it means that we can be cursed and only have an odd number of episodes this season. I mean, I mean, it beats us attempting to, you know, stretch out dunking on it for like 45 minutes. So. I, mean, I don't even have to dunk it. Uh, like, I don't even want to dunk on it. It's like, there's just things that structurally I don't think work for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, we'll get there when we get well, there. We'll get there. Yeah, let's start with episode five. It's not like TNG season two, where they're clearly <laughs> recycling scripts, and I just have no patience for it. But anyways... Uh, we're doing episodes five and six tonight, which was yep. Spock Amuck and Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach. I'm going to assume from the rambling that uh, and the amount of the lack of commas that you did episode five. <laughs> I don't know away. what you're talking about. This is an extremely succinct summary. And as ever, capitalization and punctuation is tyranny. I have episode five, Spock Amuck, written by Henry Alonzo Myers and Robin Wasserman, directed by Rachel Leiterman. The episode opens with Spock dreaming he's on Vulcan, I guess. I don't know my Trek worlds very well. There's lots of volcanoes. I guess that's my, that might be Vulcan. It's Vulcan. Uh, it's cool. Vulcan. He does some weirdo ceremony. Uh, and again, showing my Trek ignorance. Uh, I don't know if this is like noteworthy in some way. Uh, but all of a sudden, he's got human ears. Oh, no. And he's wearing his Starfleet uniform, dueling a Vulcan version of himself in Vulcan attire. While T'Pring looks on judgmentally. Uh, apparently, Spock got the unsubtle anxiety dreams that comes with human DNA. Bummer. Uh, the Enterprise, uh, Spock logs as he awakens, is at Starbase One, so Pike can assist on some diplomatic thing, and the crew can get some shore leave. And and the ship can be, like, reconstructed after being gorned. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Spock's plans for this shore leave are to bang his fiance, uh, except for the part where he's going to help Pike with diplomatic stuff. Tapring is, suffice to say, unamused with this division of priorities, but not surprised either. To resolve the conflict, they do some kind of Vulcan soul gibberish, and suddenly, it's a body swap! Uh, are you kidding me with this? We'll get to the consequences in a second. The aliens, they're there to diplomatize, uh, are confusing to everyone. They seem to have wildly variegated diplomatic methods. Pike wears a cool green uniform, which is super, I guess, just like hot. I don't know what else is the right term for that outfit. <laughs> we're, 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 we'll, we'll talk about the rap. Yeah, yeah. This 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 episode is a lot of a lot of great great TOS stuff. But we'll get to Mbenga that. Benga wears a fishing hat, which I would put on a slightly lower tier than the green outfit, but still a good look. It's a good look, even if it's from what I from what I've been told by people familiar with fishing, it is not a fly fishing hat. No, and nor does he do fly fishing for that matter. Yeah, uh, which, but we'll which might just be he's being a cute dad and he got it wrong. Yeah, uh, I'm willing to allow it because it's it's cute. And apparently Chapel has dubious taste in both men and women, much to Ortegas's amusement uh, and this podcast's uh, collective delight. As the latter two beam off the ship, Lon and Una, or the latter group beams off the ship. Lon and Una, who are not taking leave, learn that they have a reputation for not being fun. And after catching two ensigns trying to do Enterprise Bingo, a series of silly challenges like using the transporter to refresh gum and phaser dueling, they take it upon themselves to complete uh, Enterprise Bingo to prove how fun they really are. Uh, this <laughs> section of the show is entirely for funsies. It serves to advance neither the uh, body swap nor the diplomatic plot. It's just to, just to let Una and Lon have fun. It's terrific. They, they deserve it. They yeah. do. They're, they're the most two recently traumatized uh, crew members. They are. We'll talk about it in the, in the discussion section. It's great. Uh, Chapel, meanwhile, uh, gives romantic advice first to an unbody swap Spock and then to a Spock into Pring's body and then helps to Pring slash Spock bring in a prisoner that to Pring was chasing. Meanwhile, Pike helps to Pring in Spock's body understand what it is that Spock finds so meaningful about serving in Starfleet. In doing so, he also realizes what it is the aliens are looking for, radical empathy. He stops being diplomatic and speaks to them plainly, and thereby wins their support. Mbenga reverses the body swap using crystals and mud? I don't know. Star Trek medical science in this show is a fucking crapshoot. Sometimes it's like a kid's chemistry set. Sometimes it's a, it's, it's a fucking <laughs> lasers and, and lights, and sometimes it's uh, crystals and mud. Who fucking knows? Spock and T'Pring bone down and Chapel has a super bummer, sad conversation with Ortegas where she pointedly does not say that she has the hots for Spock. That's our episode. There's a, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it's a goddamn <laughs> fucking tragedy that you have not seen a muck time. Um, because yeah. A, that's where the music comes from. Yeah, the, B, da, that's da, where da, that da, entire da, scene da. comes from yeah. with the with the, the fight. It is. Uh, do we have to explain to Jude Pot what Ponfar is? I know what Ponfar is. Ponfar is where 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 Vulcans get horny and have to bang something, or they'll like go crazy and die. Yeah. Right? So it's it, so the three options are go crazy, die for a 
your penis being too erect? I don't know. Um, or... <laughs> or fuck. You have to fight people with Lirpas. And My understanding uh, from the various uh, Spock Chapel shipping tags that I may or may not have started to peruse on a regular basis is that uh, had to bring not showed up in the original series. It seemed very obvious that Spock was entirely down to seal the deal with chapel up until to showed up. That's all I know about I, the original. That's if one I, of, like, if the I things chapel, I know. you mean Kirk, then yes. I <laughs> look, uh, you need I'm to not, watch this episode. It has gratuitous titty window. On on Kirk or Tepring? Kirk. Or Spock, for that matter. Kirk. Kirk Who's got has the titty, titty window? window? Kirk has titty window? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you have to ask these things, so. Yeah, no, yeah. to bring, yeah. to bring no. in that episode, in, in, in a muck time, just has like, has like one of those 60s, like, like one of those 60s bodycon dresses. Very good. Um, and th- this is just, this is like the initiation of fuck or die, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is like this is like the the cultural or like that episode is the cultural origin of fucker die. Okay, uh, I will I, I will make make a note. Uh, like I said, when this show is over, I'm going to start watching uh, TOS, yeah. and uh, I will when the season is over. I'm not going to wait till the whole the whole show is over. Yeah. Uh, when the season is over, I'm going to start watching TOS. I feel like we should actually maybe re- do an, do like a recording after you watch through like at least the good episodes of TOS um, and like revisit some of this stuff. Yeah. And because I think that sure. like you're going to be pretty hype about some of the reference things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm down. I do absolutely love how just Spock's anxiety dream is just your human half must fight your Vulcan half. It's yeah, like no. how it's the most unsubtle bullshit ever. So in the day that I watched this episode, my wife had a dream where she was literally doing her her dissertation and the words kept erasing themselves. And I had an anxiety dream where I worked all night and then all my servers went down. So I was literally thinking about like completely unsubtle anxiety dreams. And then we watched this episode and I was like, man, that's a bummer. Either this is like a universal constant of sentient beings or Spock just got those genes from being human. Either way, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. But I love that it, there's nothing subtle about this this dream he's having. Like yeah. just a total put it, put the label right on the tin kind of dream. It was very funny to me. Do we want to talk about the wrap jacket? Yeah. So so the wrap jacket that, that Pike is wearing, this nice like green, green wrap jacket is... Um, another original series callback. Uh, Kirk would wear this on occasion. Pike wears it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, better tailored. Too. Yeah, yeah. It's better tailored to him and the material. It's like the the sleeves are a little like leathery of some or something like that. Yeah, they've got a little bit of a sheen yeah, to it's, it's got the I, same it. It just kind fucking of like works. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, Jude, would you like a fun fact about the the color of the jacket relative to the yellow? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so. In the original series, when they were filming it, all of the gold uniforms were, in fact, that green. Interesting. It's just that the green on the velour fabric did not show up on camera properly under the lights. Hmm. They made so, the wraparound in a different fabric and it came on and it appeared on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Green, not gold. Yeah. And so that's how that's how everybody got gold uniforms and everything just continued with that. Um, but the gold is supposed to be the same color as 
as the green. There's so many interesting things from the original series about like just what the cameras of the time dictated. Like That's the, funny. The, re- yeah. the reason that Sha- Spock has so much eyeshadow on in the original series is because there's like, well, there was black and white televisions are still a norm. Yeah, yeah. Also, just like the the camera, not just the cameras themselves, but like the rest of the technology like that there's mm-hmm. there's that one episode where there's like the content the the really long continuous shot of spock as he like has a mental breakdown mm-hmm. and that was pretty revolutionary to have a shot like that and that was also uh that was also nimoy's doing <laughs> to have that shot in there so let's start moving through our notes here <laughs> yeah so let's start with the body swap yeah gia sandu and ethan pack kill this plot they deserve an award for the se- for for the scenes where they're they're playing each other it's so uh, yeah. in particular the scene where they are they, they they are talking with pike and they're confessing what's happened to pike and <laughs> they they tell pike what's up and pike's like there's like a half a second there anson matt just nails this scene where he's he goes through like confusion like amusement bemusement confusion i don't have time to 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 like process these emotions all in just a space of like a second is so good but then um is it is it spock yeah i think it's spock it's to pring as spock says i'm sure that you i'm sure that now now that you know you you can detect the the differences in our mannerisms and and pike is just like oh yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I I I feel like if he did not have two Vulcans in front of him, he this would be a point where he says, "I love this job." Yeah, but he does. But what's funny is you can because yeah, yeah. Peck they do such a good job of imitating each other's mannerisms from the way they hold their hands mm-hmm. to the vocal mannerisms. It's so good all throughout, but especially in that scene. Yeah, uh, is just a it's it's. They must have had a lot of fun filming that. And it's a really well done scene. And it's, God, everything about it is, about this whole plot line is super good, both from like a candy to the viewers. Like it's just fun and goofy and the performances are great, but also it works like narratively. It's really rich too, because it is like T'Pring and Spock do end up deepening their understanding of each other's circumstances through this body swap, the weird soul communion thing they're doing ends up having the right effect. T'Pring understands that serving in Starfleet is a way for him to be, unamb- for Spock to be unambiguously himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Spock learns more about T'Pring and punches someone, which is fun <laughs> for him. Yeah. It's great. Or yeah, her? It's, I don't it's know. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> One of one of my favorite things is actually, you know, calling back that scene with Pike where where the two of them reveal what's happened. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this picks up really nicely on the thread of you know, from the first episode where you know, it doesn't take long for Spock to like sit Pike down and be like, "What's fucking up, buddy?" Like yeah. something, something's going on with you. What is it? And here, like they kind of, they've been trying to figure it out, and they kind of like their first instinct is to hide it, but then it doesn't take long at all for them to be like, yeah. So, like, actually, we 
accidentally swap bodies um and now he has to deal with that and it's it's just nice because like the expectation for this plot line is that they will maintain this ruse throughout the entire episode Mm -hmm. yeah to everyone various shenanigans will occur until they're caught out in some sort of like horrible way and then and then we'll get the resolution whereas here they're like they they kind of tried to not tell Pike immediately because it seems embarrassing, and then they're just like, yeah, you know, you you need to know this. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, yeah. As soon as it becomes clear that there is any consequences, they do what a Starfleet officer should do, and they 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 tell Pike what's up. They're like, yeah. no, absolutely. <laughs> to bring to bring as Spock cannot you know cannot go do this. Certainly not without telling Pike what's up. Right. Yeah. And uh, I, I love that. These are the two most like law-abiding people in the universe. They would have sex <laughs> on a stack of law books if they could. <laughs> they have to follow yeah. the rules. They're like, we we, we have to yeah. tell somebody about this. But it, it's it's great then. And I like that it kind of continues the thread of like Spock and Pike actually talking to each other about Absolutely. important things and trusting yeah. each other. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. I really like that point. Yeah. And we don't end up with manufactured drama. We can just have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. A, a, a fantastic point because that's the thing that really like frustrates me with a lot of TV is that manufactured drama. And I think that's one thing that the show does so well is it lets the characters be the characters. You you get to enjoy the character development and their interactions. And the drama is always natural uh, to the storyline. And it isn't like amped up for awkwardness. Right. That we're not going through the episode being like, oh, no, what if Pike finds out? Yeah. My other favorite part of the body swap plot is Chapel's involvement. Pretty obvious that I get a kick out of Chapel and Spock. But I love that first Chapel's on the date is on her date with her honestly aggressively bland <laughs> fuck buddy. He, he must fuck really well. Yeah. Lieutenant I, Dever. He mu- Yeah. He must be extremely talented to keep her attention for more than one one night. But I love that like he's talking and they they like tune his audio out while he's talking. So she like looks over his shoulder and sees Spock eating like a creme brulee all by himself at a table like a sad boy. <laughs> and his audio like drones out as if he's underwater because you can tell Chapel is just like could not be paying less attention to this guy while he tries to like DTR her. <laughs> At, at the bar and she's just like yeah whatever peace and she just ditches him at the bar to go like talk to Spock um, and their conversation then at the at the restaurant is absolutely fucking hilar- it, terrific she is despite her obvious like emotional involvement there obvious to everyone but Spock I feel like she gives him good advice yeah and uh, this is pre-body swap and it's her advice that kind of leads to the body swap and then Post-body swap, Spock, as to Pring, tracks her down for more advice. And they have an equally, like, good-slash-hilarious conversation then as well. And I just think that Spock and Chapel's relationship is so f- so fun. Even putting aside all the shipping is just, they have yeah. such a good rapport. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy watching them interact, even yeah. though it is very sad at the end when Chapel's like, pointedly not saying how you know that how much she likes spock yeah that she has you know a pretty substantial crush on him um yeah but you know, 
is still you know the the friendship and we'll get into this in the serene squall as well um that the the friendship is important to her as well yeah yeah i also think that the one of the under sort of the understated stars of this episode is ortegas who who is just just there being like hovering around all the plots but, but knowing better than to um, get involved in him because she knows what it's like to get attacked by a Lyrpa, which, hi, can I have this story, please? That oh, is literally yeah. in my notes. Yeah. I want to know the story of how Ortegas got a Lyrpa scar. I don't know what a Lyrpa is, but um, I'm interested. So it's the, it's that like like weird the axe thing, the, the axe club thing. Good Lord. Okay, yeah. So I'm extra interested to, to know the story there. <laughs> and it's like a ceremonial weapon, too, for the the yeah so fuck or what, fight or die so what who who was who was ortegas i i know yeah i know i need this I story mean, i guess yeah so many questions what's that point so many questions do? i like the friendship that you clearly see between chapel and ortegas in medbay when they're talking about her or chapel's romantic history and i shipped ortegas. the two of them so hard I gotta ship everybody. Yeah, that's that's sort of the thing here is that like like I kind except of, for Ahura like, because she's baby. No, no, she 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 is an adult. I I don't ship her specifically with anyone. I'm sure that that will that will come. Yeah, I don't I don't ship her with anybody on on this show. But I can't talk about who the most recent person I ship Ortegas with. But um, <laughs> that's episode eight. But yeah, fantastic. I I think that their interactions there are really good as well. And the the look she gives uh, Mbenga when he accidentally like calls uh, Lan and Una where fun goes to die and Chapel <laughs> that's so uh, that's so mean Chapel and Ortegas are like shut <laughs> so good God yeah I, it's uh, just so mean but it's God it's so it would be though. Like you absolutely know that on that ship, that is that is what, especially like the non the non cons, call Lon and especially Lon. Well, because she she has a rightfully earned reputation for being absolutely terrifying. Yeah, they call they call dibs on who gets to be bad cop. I love <laughs> these that, are, that. These that are bit. emotional terrorists. <laughs> I love where they're like bad cop. Damn, gotta be quicker. <laughs> like <laughs> they're like. And then when uh, Lon says to Una, they're like, they get the red alert and she's like, they're, and Lon's about to run off to go find out what the red alert's about. And Una's like, I'll be your backup. And Lon's like, you are fun. Like, <laughs> these two are such, it's not that they're where fun goes to die. It's just that their version of fun is terrorizing other people. Yeah. They're like, like the, the fun, where fun goes to die is awful. They are also like mean. Uh, yeah. Lon makes that poor Ensign cry. Yeah. Hard. Not a little bit. Like, hard. That poor Ensign. Oh, God. I... <laughs> oh, they're great. Um, speaking of a manga, I, I just the fishing hat again. I just, it's so good. Um, and the fact that, like, you, like, on, like, on Starbase 1, like, because, like, they had said, like, that, like, these are, like, seat, like, it's part of a project they were using using seed pods that had been shot out during mm-hmm. World War Three, but like you can go fishing in a starbase, which is just yeah. like this is how we know we are in a utopia. 
<laughs> you can go fishing uh, in space. One of the notes I didn't write down in the document, but that I I made when we were when I was watching it was Pike has daddy energy on this show, but Mbenga's got dad energy in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He's very much got like, you know, the wrong hat and the wrong rod, but goddamn, he's gonna go fishing. That's absolutely the right that's absolutely dad energy and i love that like oh man i i absolutely love like chapel and ortegas are just equal parts like horrified and just like in love with the hat right away like right yeah it's so good i this cast clearly really loved making this show and you can see like the energy that they have when they're on set and around each other. Cause they're just, there's so much just like, they're just having fun with it. You know what I mean? I, I, it's hard to, yeah. I say this with a lot of love. I watched a shit ton of TNG, but TNG often has a sort of part of what made episodes like the poker episodes and like the chamber music episodes really entertaining is because we didn't always get that, that aspect mm-hmm. of like the crew having fun together. A lot of the times, the the drama was a little bit dry and a little bit like, you know, tense. There's ve- very rarely do you get that in this show. And I really treasure that about this show, that there is so much just like effervescence to to the 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 way the cast interacts. I think it's really an accomplishment for the show that that you, you do get that with, with this with every episode. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody seems to be like genuinely having fun working with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that not just, and not to say that like the people on TNG or any of the other shows didn't, I just think that the, the way the show is written is designed, the is, is sort of based around, uh, it enhances that. Like even, even some of the, you know, more questionable quality episodes have like a lot of great character moments and one-liners and stuff like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to talk about something like actually like like interesting in the episode, which is Mabenga's medical practice, which is very fun. Crystals and mud. I oh yeah, it's it feels like um we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of a dive here, but it feels like Flocks from Enterprise. Oh yeah, because Flocks had like did like oh yeah this the menagerie. Is a, he had like he had a bunch of like animals on this ship so you could harvest like antitoxins and stuff from them and, and and like use them for various like home cures and it's got that same sort of energy where it's like oh yeah where or it's got an energy of like that whereas we'll say like dr crusher is like i have federation to standard practices uh, Mabanga's like, no, nah, yeah, no, nah, I know Vulcan, you know, I know Vulcan Catrick medicine because, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep, you, you know, you gotta keep studying to keep up with the times. Yeah. And like, you know, you're dealing with two people who have like, through a ritual meditation type thing, somehow swapped bodies. Like, why isn't the solution to that like urchin paste and crystals? Yeah. <laughs> Like it's you know it's as I good mean, as that's anything. valid. Yeah, uh, honestly, the fact that like Benga is the one to solve their problem is as unlikely as anything else. And you know, so the fact that he does it with what what honest to God looks to me like 
chocolate cake mix and crystals from <laughs> like you know the corner store i okay listen this has had to have happened before <laughs> a Vulcan's just like having an off day with their Katra. They freaky Friday with like their 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 sibling or their spouse, and it's just like like I'm sure you can have at least like you can have like a weekend of fun with that if you're like if it's with your spouse and you're just like yeah sure this is gonna be a fun little twist, but you want to go back eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I have a really important question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they fucked before they swapped bodies back. <laughs> I'm glad that you knew the answer to that question before I asked the question. <laughs> this is what this is why this podcast works, Justin. The fact that you we wrote a wave knew like that. Exactly what I was gonna ask. That was like the waves <laughs> matching up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it was I be- thought so too, for the record, but Yeah, you know. I mean, my my opinion of this is that Ethan Peck might be the most peggable member of, like, a Star Trek cast in a <laughs> long time. They, I was going to say, Especially, that's an important qualification, because you said some stuff about Bashir that yeah. uh, if you had not qualified that... Uh, yeah, in, in would, a while, in, like, in, in, a, in a hot minute. And Giasandu has some real good, like, high femme top energy there. Oh. Oh, no, yeah. I was gonna say I don't think there's any question. <laughs> Does she ever not who's like, in charge there? Like I, I, I just assume that Gia Sandu has the X gene, and her mutation is that she can never not she can never not look stunning. God, her makeup is just like perfect. Yeah. As as much as this episode is like has all of the like fun zany like fanfic bits, it's got some really nice kind of more serious parts too that we the, we have the the freaky friday stuff which is super super fun yeah but i love that it like genuinely like it was genuinely good advice from chapel yeah. like mm-hmm. and it does actually deepen their understanding of each other that you know spock actually talks about how you know his experiences on vulcan and you know having to be um, the perfect Vulcan there to make up for uh-huh. his, you know, human heritage, etc. Something that is like, it, it's very like sad for me is this, despite the fact that they are doing all this work, we know that Spock's going to blow it. Yeah. By the end. And that T'Pring is going to hook up with a coworker. Yep. And that, that kind of makes me sad. Yeah. Actually. Like, it do, it does. I mean, we've got, we've got 10 years for them to to screw it up, but like. You know, man, a 10 year engagement like. Yeah, I mean, if you've got a 10 year engagement, it's somebody's fault. (laughs) And I'm going to say it's probably the person who it's probably the guy who's at sea, you know, (laughs) for 10 years. I was going to. Well, I mean, he's at sea with at a minimum two other people that want to hobble up on his ass. Yeah, just wait till George Kirk. wait, Wait till the other Kirk joins this cast. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not ready for that. I'm I'm not ready for that because that that just means that all the tags on Ao3 are going to get ruined because that's the ship that's just going to overtake everything else. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see how much he's going to be on the show because I I don't think he's joining as like a regular cast member, but we'll see. Right. Anyway, I want to talk about the Rongovians. Yes. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about the Rongovians before we move on to episode six. 
who they they are situated between the Federation, the Romulans, the Klingons. They're basically what of they're Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, they they are they are Switzerland sitting between France, Italy, and Germany. Uh, yeah. A fucking bummer of a location. And their whole thing, as it transpires, is that they approach people with like radical empathy. They Which is which it isn't like it isn't like a biological thing for them, or it's not like they're telepathic. They're just they just reflect they reflect the, the mannerisms and demeanor of the person they're dealing with. Which Yeah. yeah. I think so with is, with Pike, they're like hella gregarious and like Let's have a barbecue. And with Spock, they're very, like, analytic. And that's why when Pike figures out what they're doing, his solution is to be perfectly empathetic to them. Like, your situation sucks ass. Like, we're kind of using you because we don't want anyone else to. And you're stuck with a whole lot of bad choices. And that's what kind of wins them over is because he understands that he understands them yeah and i think it's interesting because it's like at first it's rather confusing because you get like the thing of that they deal with a telluride ambassador first and that thing is about to like devolve into a death match when they see the recording like <laughs> yeah. that telluride yeah. is about to suplex some motherfucker <laughs> um but like when they come up to pike pike is like hey and they're like they're like and they, they just decide like we're yeah. gonna be pike and then and then they ask to talk to spock and then it's like i'm like okay are they doing a thing where they like they're doing a thing obviously where they want to get different people in the federation's opinion because one of the things they're, they're they're sort of hung up about is democracy like who tells you what to do yeah and also like how the various cultures in the federation relate to each other yeah because that's that's i mean that's a very realistic worry I would think of a fe- of, of a culture that you know maybe hasn't like hasn't had a lot of outside contact. It has to do with their other neighbors being the Romulans and the Klingons is being oh hey, are you like what does cultural assimilation look like in the right. in, mm-hmm. into into your empire and through seeing that like oh hey there's a lot of deferring not just opinions but viewpoints and approaches they sort of become like oh hey this is this is a thing that we can deal with and like and spock uh, to pring in spock's body uh like it does the thing with spock with pipe's permission of like you probably should have joined the federation <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like logically you shouldn't it's it's interesting too because i i love when pike speaks up for spock there because yeah, for one thing he is demonstrating empathy he's demonstrating empathy for spock which you know helps with the diplomatic situation but also like speaking to to pring it feels like one of the first times that they've like really communicated one-on-one in that way and and it's quite nice yeah. um because you know to pring is kind of dissing <laughs> spock in yeah. that diplomatic uh yeah, situation she, she clearly doesn't understand i mean and that's part of the struggle that this episode is highlighting is she doesn't understand what he gets out of being in the federation she doesn't understand that his human side has value because he's been suppressing it for her and pike really wants to you know tries to tell her he has value here all of him has value here and that's where you know 
that's why this is, uh, you know, his place. This is why he he wants to be here, and he, we need him here because that's he's he he's an exemplar here. And I think that's it's such a great scene. I I watched it again today, and I I love the scene today uh, as as well because it's just such a good scene. It's just Pike being a great captain. Uh, should we move on to episode six and bang this Here thing pop out? That Band-Aid. Yeah. I've got the summary on this one. So we've got uh, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach, written by Robin Wasserman and Bill Walkoff, and directed by Andy um, Armaganian. So this week, the Enterprise comes across a distress call. A non-Federation shuttle is under attack by another non-Federation ship. The attacking ship is accidentally destroyed and the shuttle occupants are rescued and they include an old crush of pikes named alora a child called the first servant and the first servant's father elder gamal it turns out the three are from the planet majalis and they need to return there so that the first servant can undergo an ascension ceremony apparently the attacking ship was from an alien colony intent on holding the child for ransom an investigation of the wrecked ship reveals that one of the first servants guards may be involved as well pike joins alora on the planet for ceremonial celebrations and also banging uh well on the enterprise another ship appears to beam away the first servant before again being accidentally destroyed this was however a ruse Gamal used the transporter to hide the first servant on the Enterprise and save him from his fate at the Ascension Ceremony. Uh, d- despite Uhura dis- uncovering evidence that the whole plot was orchestrated by a colony of Magellans, not aliens, the first servant insists on returning to the ceremony with Pike in tow. After much waving and rejoicing, the ceremony begins in earnest in a secret chamber under the floating city. The first servant is plugged into a machine, and his neural net will power the city infrastructure until the next first servant replaces him. Pike tries to stop the ceremony, but is knocked out, and when he wakes, Alora tries to convince him that, no, no, this is good, actually. Uh, But he's horrified and vows to report all of this to Starfleet immediately. Except for the fact that Majalis is not part of the Federation, so there's nothing that they can do either. There's some side stuff. Uh, So apparently the Magellans are super advanced, at least in terms of medical tech, if not weapons or ships. Or or... hovering city technology on how to repair that. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, that that too. Um, But they are unwilling to share their tech with outsiders, even for, you know, terrible emergencies. Uh, This means that there is no miracle cure now for Mega's daughter. Although Gamal does give him a nudge in the right direction, uh, nor is there a miracle f- cure in the future for Pike. And that's that's the episode. Uh, we should put it out at the top that this is uh, based on a short Wait, story. No, so by... this is not. So there is no like actual. There's no. It's act- not credited. There's no credit to this, but yeah. the similarities in the story. To I thought, it Kay- was, I thought it was like Mm-mm. no nope. nope they they said that the they said that the story inspired something in season three of Discovery but, but I've but not seen no, anything there is no like uh, attributing that <laughs> um, so what this is this is the same structure or, or at least it, it is a 
It feels like an adaptation of The Ones Who Walk Away from Amelis by Ursula K. Le Guin. It, it's, it's not a direct adaptation or anything. You know, it's obviously like in Star Trek when the original uh, fiction was not. But it's really impossible not to compare it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, including, including the colony of ex-Magellans who are, in fact, the ones who walk away. Uh, yep i haven't i haven't read that story in quite some time but yeah yeah. it was it was itching at me for like a little bit and the fact so like and for those of you who have not read the story um the story is about a i believe like rather low-tech civilization or 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 like an ambiguous it's it's a it's a society where with has some rather ambiguous stuff about it but it's basically it's continually prosperous everyone is continually happy However, it is all predicated on the suffering of a child who, when, like, people are brought of age, they are shown the child who must be kept in, like, complete darkness, like, filth and misery at all times for the society to prosper. And people who can live with that stay. People who cannot leave off to someplace that is not as good. And I, it's, like, obviously there are differences like the the society as a whole sort of like accepts this but it's just we don't know like what the status of the first servant is like what happens to them it doesn't look pleasant but uh i mean they end up dead and they're still and they're just like a little desiccated husk when it's over a husk that was clearly screaming at some point though yeah like the husk yeah. does not look like it went peacefully yeah so no that that uh that corpse prop is grim. And so the reason why I think structurally this episode doesn't work is that Star Trek has a history of moral of moral fiction in it. And the problem I have with this episode is that there is no action taken to try to change the situation or shed like you know there's nothing that there's nothing attempted that changes the situation and at the end the enterprise just leaves right like it's it's a it's a moral nothing burger yeah it it is wow this sucks um i'm gonna tell the federation we're just gonna stop dealing with you not that they dealt with them at all to begin with yeah so it's like you know it's if nothing else it means that they get to stick a little note in their star chart of like don't go here people are assholes right yeah, I think yeah. for me, what what I didn't like about it was this show has really flourished for me in that it has embraced the rejecting like tropey narrative forms and in letting us like enjoy the characters in the moments and not making them walk through these sort of tired narrative tracks, right? Even when they do like traditional narrative stuff, they don't drag us through all like all the ter- the the turns and twists. They let us they they stay with the characters and they focus on the characters before some narrative you know over like with the last episode rather than making Spock and T'Pring drag out the the ruse of the body swap. They just own it for Pike right there at the beginning. This episode was really really fixated on doing both of the on doing all of the the twists it was really like 
narratively setting up and then revealing the like the multiple twists. And it felt like all the characters were sort of behind the curve the whole time. And uh, all the, the fun character moments we had were all, there weren't enough uh, interesting, fun character moments. And we spent too much time on these sort of twists and turns. And the characters just felt like they were playing catch up. Even though we got to see Pike, like schoolboy yeah. crushing yeah. over <laughs> Allura uh, and then lounging in bed with his perfectly coiffed hair. Which Pike's Peak seems Even to in, be growing. Yes, it absolutely yeah. is. And uh, Pike shirtless yeah. was a gift. And surprisingly, uh, I don't know if like Anson Mount just spent like an extra day in the gym for that scene or something, but his arms were looking uh, real nice. <laughs> like there was some thickness going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so for me, a lot of the like, Omelas type of setup for this. I don't necessarily mind, but it's the, like you said, Justin, it's the resolution or lack thereof that, like, I feel like that this would have been, if we were to transplant this into other Star Trek series that have done comparable ish things, you know, I would have expected there to be some sort of thing of, like, you know, their society slowly being in a de decline or something like that um that like where the where joining the federation could concretely help them but from all intents and purposes like the enterprise will go and they'll be fine like they'll continue yeah, to live changes. in their floating city yeah. utopia forever like that that it's not like your civilization is slowly in decline and like you know your population is shrinking because you keep feeding kids into this machine and like if you were to stop doing this and join the federation we could maybe help you get another planet and like having a choice about whether they stay the way things are or like change yeah. but it's just like nothing <laughs> yeah uh, pretty much the only out the only outcome of this of this interaction is that pike scolded alora and he had the chance for an out for his condition dangled in front of him briefly and then yanked away. Yeah. Right. And I, I expected and that felt bad. Yeah. I expected going into this episode, like from the, from the stuff that set up at the, at the start, I was expecting it to be a different Star Trek plot. The Star Trek plot being that, um, the conflict between Mbenga and the Magellans where they have medical technology that he needs to save his daughter. But, you know, they aren't giving it to him. So he has to then, you know, be sneaky and get it in some sort of back, you know, backwoods way or like that was what I was expecting. That's what I thought. Like we've had many Star, Star Trek plots like that and they're they generally are fairly decent. Yeah. That's what I thought it was going to be. And I kind of maybe would have yeah. preferred that. <laughs> it just feels like there isn't a lot of punch in this episode because yeah, no, nobody really just, tries anything. Yeah. 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 I don't think we need to belabor yeah. it too much. I, I think it just, the episode just doesn't work. Uh, I think uh, no, Justin hit it on the head. Level. Yeah, it's like the failures of this episode are not on like a, this performance wasn't compelling or like this, this wasn't yeah, I, like. I just think the writings, like you said earlier, it would, it's, it's a, it's a C plus episode in a season of, of high A's and high B's. Yeah. Like, it's just it's it, structurally unsound 
where yeah. yeah yeah i at least would be way less bitter about this if we had a season that was 22 episodes mm. however yeah. we have a season Absolutely. that is 10 episodes and it feels like a real waste to spend one of those episodes on this uh, yeah agreed i i don't think that's a, like i don't think that's a health like that, that's a healthy approach like because it's like it, it's 10 episodes it can't all be perfect I yeah know. yeah uh, no, I, 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 but I, I see what Anna means in the sense that, like, your perception, your, per, your perception of how good or bad a C is, yeah, fair, it changes. But if, if it's you know a C in the middle of a twenty-two episode season, mm-hmm. is is a lot more generous than a C in a ten-episode season because, right? If you, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, no, I get I'm it. Much I more, feel the same I'm much way. More associ- uh, like, I mean, when I, when I associate it, it's like you know, with a Star Trek, with a Star Trek episode, like season with tw- with like twenty six episodes, you know, like fifteen of those are C's. <laughs> you know, you know, like that's what I'm used to. Where it's like, yeah, we've only got 15. one Z. <laughs> yeah, you know, if if we were if we were comparing it to like a season of something else that had a comparable overall quality, like. You know, it's this would be a perfectly passable TNG season three episode. This would it's better than most of probably sixty percent of season one and two of TNG. It's yeah, true. I, I I like I do want to talk about like the little side the subplot we have going with uh, Uhura insecurity, which I I do love yes, that. Yes, lawns uh, lawns. Uh, what is it? The r- rules. Uh, the rules. Of what security. are they? Laws of rules of security and help. Pike is like legitimately afraid of of her rules of security, <laughs> and how and how everybody knows them too. Oh yeah, yeah. and it's like why have these never come up? Because everybody knows Lod's rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but they're good rules though. Yeah. Like you know the you know I, I don't investigate think, with your tricorder, I, not with your finger. Which it's is something so that good. A, a lot of I mean I mean Kirk, uh, you know a couple. of Back in was the episode yeah. the one with the comet. Like Kirk could have learned from that. I, I just imagine that, like I just imagine, like after that mission, like Kirk got put up in a torture rack. And it's like rule number one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yes, yeah, Spock is like you know we had a security chief on this ship once that had a rule about this. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm like wondering, like, if we get like three seasons of like, if we get like three seasons or like 60 episodes of Strange New Worlds, I'm going to bet you a lot less red shirts die on Strange New Worlds than the original series. Because <laughs> Law does her oh, job. Yeah. 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 yeah Law ain't, Law is not going to let her chumps she ain't die off here. the way, the way that the, uh, God. Yeah. Uh, was Worf really bad at his job? He, I mean, so so it, it's not that Worf got a lot of people killed. Like it, it's that Worf was. So are are you familiar with the term the Warf like the Worf effect? Okay, no. not so, sure that I've heard this. So so what this is is that this is a thing that came off of TV tropes, and the idea is that if you have a physical menace on your ship, well, the easiest way to prove that they are a threat is by taking down the biggest... Is to have them beat up Worf. Yeah, is to have them beat up Worf. So there's a lot of instances where Worf just jobs, like, like, 
he he is taken yeah, he gets here, chucked over the like, security console yeah, yeah he gets he gets chucked around i've the seen bridge. super cuts of him just getting like yeah hucked over the over the security console <laughs> my man sells like also, he is he is a jobber earning like 50 bucks and a handshake and a hot dog <laughs> why does why does this is we can move on from from this topic but why does Worf never get a chair I don't know. It seems like it seems like. Does he spend his entire duty shift just standing there like a security guard at a theme park? I, I guess like, so. Looming over fucking Picard. It's a standing desk, Jude. I've got a standing I mean, it, desk. It, it, but it'll stand the whole time. It goes up and down. Is that a thing that we don't see? That like so so here's when the there's nothing going on. He hits the switch on the bottom of the security desk. Goes be and it slowly lowers. Is it? And then are he pulls his legs dangling? Out. Like his his legs are dangling off. Yeah, he's the like ledge, his legs like are dangling like a, like he's. <laughs> um, so please, the, the, please, if the, we have a listener and you have an artistic ability, please draw a picture of. Uh, Worf with his with his security console standing um, desk lowered and his legs you, like lo- over Picard's shoulders. If you have artistic ability, DM either the podcast account or me at Justin Wright's. Um, let's talk money. Um, you know, just I, I'm not going to put this on Twitter because saying the word commission is how you get bots in your replies, and I don't want bots in my replies. I I have a new head cannon for Worf now. Yeah though which is that he has used um used the computer to generate a force field uh stool for himself so i was just thinking about this what's even wilder is that like those those consoles at the back of the bridge have like Mm -hmm. little pull-out chairs yeah (laughs) yeah this is why i asked everybody else gets to sit except for the fucking klingon yeah and, and it's, like, it's discrimination is what it is. It's, it's, like, it's hazing. Somebody oh, oh, started it as a bit, and now everybody's too afraid of Worf to tell him that it was a joke. Oh, gosh. The day he, the day he walks onto another Galaxy-class ship... Even, even Troy has a goddamn chair on that bridge. Yeah. The, one day, like 10 years after Worf, Worf gets into Starfleet, he's touring another Galaxy-class ship, and he sees like a nice comfy stool... At the security <laughs> at the security desk on that ship, and he's like, "What the fuck is this?" I just checked. They do it. On, they do it on the Enterprise E two. Like there are two consoles in the back, and both of them are standing. Like you could put a chair there, <laughs> but I'm just like now. I'm like mad about this. Yeah, I the mean, the future it, clearly it has no ergonomics or apparently lumbar support. Yeah. All right, we need to wrap this up. Yeah. We we have gone way into the weeds I mean, on it's, this one. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, that's all we have for this one. For the next time, I hope you'll be joining us for episode 7, The Serene Squall. Until next time, hit it. Strange New Pods is a limited-run series by the Babylon Project, a member of the OKSO Network. All views expressed are our own. Music credits can be found in the show notes. Play your life gloriously. No way. I have. I do not have enough chill to have Anson Mount on our shitty podcast.
I'm I'm glad we're recording that because that's going to be an outtake now.